Welcome to the Creative Writing Out Loud podcast. I'm your host, Alexander Smith. This podcast is your place to hear brand new fiction and poetry from American creative writers. Today's story is by Alexander Smith. He is a fiction writer and poet living in Providence, Rhode Island with his wife. You can find his book of poetry for Poets Must Love on Amazon.com. He also works as a freelance copywriter. Follow him on Twitter at Alexander Writes. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's start the story. The Firestarter by Alexander Smith. Copyright 2017. Since he was 10, Jacob feared people at school would learn about his friendship with fire. He faced enough ridicule as it was and just wanted to be normal. The truth about fire could end him. He often sneaked into the woods behind his house to melt plastic army men with his mom's creme brulee torch that she hid in the back of the kitchen drawer. It was a compulsion that he held no power over. But once he stood alone above the sacrificial stone among the trees behind his house, he felt the fire's power coursing through him. What was really so bad about it? Why do people think fire is so wrong? Sure, it is hot and can be dangerous, but he had a safe place to use it, and fire had never hurt him, unlike the bullies at school. People are unpredictable and cruel, whereas fire just burns. Since his mom had taken on a second job in the evenings, Jacob found himself alone a lot more, but fire was always there, always. The lunch bell rang. Jacob hurried out of class through the hall, straight to his favorite corner of the cafeteria. While he walked by groups of kids clotting the checkered tile corridors, he noticed some whispering and snickering. Jacob looked down at the ground, pretending to observe the tile pattern, and he plastered an opaque smile on his face. As he passed, the gossipers covered their mouths, but this only made them laugh more. The one time Jacob opened up about the other kids to his mom, she told him to ignore how they made him feel, that he should just be strong and stand up to them. He hadn't asked her for help since. As usual, Jacob claimed the shadowed corner near the back of the cafeteria. A large, white pillar nearby offered additional privacy. He removed his ham sandwich from the plastic wrap. At least mom still made time to make me lunch, he thought. Then he took a bite. While eating, he watched other students talking in small groups. The vast room filled with the echo of excited chatter. He turned his shaded gaze from group to group, observing them like they were being filmed for Animal Planet. He concluded that if a group had more than five, the cool kid or the leader would talk while everyone else listened. I want people to listen to me, Jacob wished. It was a cloudy Tuesday afternoon. Five minutes remained in lunch before the bell would ring for the start of fifth period. He finished his sandwich as he studied a group of older students. Suddenly it hit him. He had to use the bathroom. Jacob knew he shouldn't risk going in there during lunch, but he couldn't hold it. He decided to wait as long as possible. He counted to 180 and focused on his shallow breathing to distract himself from the bodily urge. Then he left his shadowed corner and went. After using the toilet, he flushed and walked over to the sink to wash his hands. He turned on the faucet, 
just as three male classmates walked in. Jacoby, they said in an inharmonious unison as the door shut behind them. A rush of panic swept through his body that commanded Jacob to run, but he ignored and suppressed his instinct. Instead, he threw a pacifying smile in their direction before quickly returning his gaze to wash the soap from his hands. But he sensed it. They weren't just going about their business. This was something else. I'm glad we found you. We've been hearing about you all day, the cool leader, Randy, said. We know what you like to do when your mommy's too busy to be home with you. Did you know that boys who play with fire wet their pants? Jacob's fake smile went away. The whole school is talking about it, Randy, the leader said. They say you burn things because you still wet your pants. Is that why you're in here, thinking about burning down the school and had an accident? You're probably a bedwetter, too. But I don't, Jacob started to object. Oh, yeah? Don't deny it. We heard it from Sally. You know, your neighbor? Yeah, well, she said she saw you burning your toys in the woods. You calling her a liar? Wait, are your pants wet now? Randy said and pointed. No, Jacob said. The three boys came at him. Two held him down against the sink. Randy turned the faucet up, full blast, and started splashing Jacob's pants with cold water. His light blue denim jeans darkened as the water streaked down the crotch of his pants along the inner seam of his legs. See, the leader said, you do wet your pants. Wet pants, wet pants, the boys sang in a terrible round. Wet pants, Jacoby has wet pants. They pushed Jacob to the floor. His right hip hit the tile. Then they opened the door and left Jacob alone, stunned. He didn't move for what felt like minutes. Eventually, he started rubbing his hip. It was sore. He grabbed the edge of the sink to help him back to his feet. He shook out his right leg and rotated his midsection to loosen up the cramped muscles. By the time Jacob mustered up the courage to leave the bathroom, fifth period had already started. He didn't want to show up to class late, and with his pants wet, but he trudged through the hallway nonetheless. When he got to Mrs. Steppleton's classroom, he paused in front of the door's cloudy glass window. He saw a shape moving inside and heard the staccato click of chalk on blackboard accompanying his teacher's voice. Those same three boys from the bathroom were in this class. I can't face them, Jacob thought. I wish I could get back at them. He hesitated at the door. He put his ear close to the glass and could hear his aging math teacher talking about variables. If I walk in now, everyone will see my wet pants, he thought. Just like those guys wanted, they would have won. He had always had near-perfect attendance, but being put on display as a spectacle, a freak, terrified him more than getting caught in the act with fire. He refused to face the humiliation. Jacob turned around and started running. He ran down the tile corridor, then down the stairs, toward the red exit sign on the first floor. His wet sneakers squeaked on the polished surface and he ignored the dull pain in his right hip. On his way out, he approached a security guard preoccupied with a YouTube video on his smartphone. The guard put away his phone and stood up. Hey, you! Where do you think you're going? The guard said. He blocked the exit in a defensive football stance with his arms at the ready. Jacob feigned a movement to the left, but went right, throwing the guard's balance off and passed by him. 
Then Jacob ran as fast as he could. The guard followed but couldn't keep up. When Jacob turned the corner out of the parking lot, the guard had lost him. He ran for more than 20 minutes. When he got home, he was out of breath, and his shirt was wet with sweat. His hair stuck, clumped around his forehead. Once inside, Jacob rushed straight to his toy bucket. He opened it up to reveal his large collection of gray army men. His gaze glazed over as his imagination conjured their melting faces in the red and yellow blaze. He grabbed a fistful of them, then enlisted his mom's butane torch. Jacob ran for the small wooded area beyond the rotting fence in his backyard, leaving the back door screen open in haste. He approached his ancient stone. The large rock removed from the land by New England colonists had become Jacob's sacrificial altar. When he reached its gray surface, now layered in patches of moss and melted plastic, a surge of relief overtook him. His friend was coming. He propped three army men on his stone's indented center. Then he spoke to them. Are you afraid of fire, Randy? Jacob addressed the army man in the middle. You may have two friends with you, but now I have mine. Jacob flicked on the torch. The hiss of the burning gas erupted into blue heat. The flame hypnotized him. The hiss of the torch seemed to whisper, You've been wronged, Jacob. Randy, your neighbor Sally, and everyone who has wronged you deserves to melt in flames. Now burn. Obeying, he touched the flame to the plastic army man on the right. The blue blaze turned yellow, then red. For a second, it seemed nothing would happen as the hot blast raged in the toy's face. But suddenly, the army man combusted into yellow flames that convulsed off his head and shoulders. The tip of his bayonet wilted. His helmet became runny and crawled down into his face. Then the rest of his gray flesh turned into molted liquid and started to drip. His legs buckled under his oozing weight as the army man melted to his knees in a pool of himself. Jacob burned the toy until only a plastic puddle shimmered on the stone in the clouded, flickering light entering between the leaves. Two army men remained, their faces determined to be brave until the end. Jacob looked on them with pity. See that, Randy? Your friend's part of my stone now. Jacob said. My friend is a lot stronger than you. He fired up his weapon and turned the flame to the central army man's limbs. Now it's your turn to play, Jacob said. Be a good boy, Randy. The blue blaze stroked the plastic uniform, then it caught and turned orange. A few moments later, the plastic army man's pants turned liquid and began dripping. The toy's legs buckled and it fell to its knees on the stone. Plastic began to puddle. The fire illuminated Jacob's grin and the empowered anger in his eyes. You've been listening to The Firestarter by Alexander Smith. Thanks for listening to Creative Writing Out Loud, the podcast for fiction and poetry. Music by Simon Matthewson. Visit creativewritingoutloud.com to subscribe to our email list and like us on Facebook. Tune in next week for new fiction and poetry from American writers. See you then.